I know you are going to have as much fun listening to this episode as I did recording it. This guest is someone that you are going to just fall in love with from her truth spoken in motherhood to the wisdom she brings to her experience to just the way she is so bubbly and full of life and you feel like you could sit with her for hours. I feel like she is definitely going to remind you of one of your best friends. She does for me. She reminds me of one of my very good friends from my college days who just always brought a smile to your face. Let me introduce you to my next guest, Rachel Norman. Rachel is a routine mentor, a certified sleep consultant, language of listening parent coach, and most proudly, mother of five. As a mom of five kids born in five years, she understands what it's like for lots of small problems to take over, leaving you stressed to the max. With simple routines for everyone and life skills preparation for the kids, your home can be a peaceful haven, not a source of stress you are driven to escape. We are talking boundaries, purposeful motherhood, contentment, and more. Come along, friend. Let's grow. You know those days where you just feel so overwhelmed and tired from all the busy and you just want to multiply the time you do have to create more time for intentional words and family dinners and quality time together? And do you just need to know that you really can keep your family close and your faith strong in today's world? Welcome to Families That Stick Together. Just step right over the random pile of clothes, turn right past the paper still out from last week's school project, maybe don't look at the sink, and make yourself at home, friend. I'm your host, Jennifer, wife to my high school sweetheart, mom of four, and creator of Together Moments, where we took our same worries and figured out the answer to slowing down, keeping family time a priority, and creating deep connection through solid communication, even among all the busy. The answer is to gather moments, and we want to come alongside your family as you lay your foundation. If you're ready for time to slow down, intentional moments to overflow, and all of this to feel easy in your real life, then welcome, friend, with your laundry, your running shoes, or your cup of coffee. I can't wait to spend my time with you. And now my mom, one of her favorite movies growing up was Flight of the Navigator, Jennifer Zumbiel. Hello, Rachel, and welcome to Families That Stick Together. Thank you for being here today. I'm really excited that you were able to make time for us. I know you're very busy. Yes, I'm so excited to be here as well. Thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. Okay, so you are a very busy mom of five. You're the author of a book. If Mama Ain't Happy, Why Minding Healthy Boundaries is Good for Your Whole Family. I'd love for you to start with the inspiration for your book because we know you could have written on many different subjects of motherhood. And Mm -hmm. while you're sharing, Rachel, I'd love for you to talk to us about the book cover design. (laughs) I know it's so silly, isn't it? (laughs) It is not silly. I love it. It, it really caught my eye, which is what I, I want you to talk about it. 
Yeah. So the the inspiration, I will say the book cover design, it's like a rubber ducky upside down underwater. And so actually the designer at my publisher, Tyndale, she was just sending designs. And when she sent it back, I just immediately cracked up and I was like, this is what it's like. It, it you know, like the rubber duckies are heartwarming because of little kids. And then it's like rubber ducky upside down, just strolling along. And that's kind of what it feels like basically in parenting, you know, you're like underwater, you know, so that's kind of the inspiration for that. But the reason I guess I landed on boundaries, and this isn't really, I would say the book isn't isn't really about, there's a chapter on rules, but it's not, boundaries themselves are not just like rules you make for other people. But once, what I realized through this journey myself, and also dealing and hearing from, you know, tons and tons of moms throughout the years, is, is when a mom would come to me, super frazzled, super stressed, super overwhelmed, and then would tell me, this is what's going on. Here's all the things going on. Here's all the reasons I hate what's going on. Here's why I feel, but here's all the reasons why I can't change it or whatever, you know, out of control. And it made me realize what is really happening with a lot of moms, not all, is that we have lost touch inside ourselves with what we're okay with, what we're not okay with, with our limits and with, you know, even our values to some extent, we've lost touch with them so much that we're just in the, in, day in and day out, just doing whatever our kids randomly seem like they want to do. Maybe we do, or, you know, like we don't want them to do something, but then they cry and we feel so overcome with guilt. And so it's like, we've actually lost touch with that. And so the book is about getting back to like, you know, what is, what is your, what are your values? What are your actual, what are your limits? What can you not cope with? And then how that's okay and it's good for the kids when we live within those, because when we know what our boundaries are and we live within them, we're just actually calmer. And I was thinking when you said that I was a busy mom, I honestly don't feel busy. And I think that is just like, praise God about boundaries, because I do have five kids, 11 and under. I mean, it's a lot going on, but I honestly do not feel busy. I really don't. So I think that's just because I've realized what I can and can't do. And I'm like, it is what it is, kids. And I joke sometimes, I'm like, tell that to your therapist late. Mama says we can't do that. I just can't do it. So I, I it is me. It's not you. <laughs> just write it in your journal, you know, but it's, it's okay. And they're fine, you know. That really excites me hearing you say, but I'm not busy. I don't feel busy. Okay. So uh -huh. tell us then, what do you think, what are some of those limits that you have set up that you think really, um, made you say that right now? Like just doing a quick snapshot of your life to you, it probably feels completely normal and every day, mm -hmm. but for some of us listening here, what would be those limits you've set up that would be like aha moments to us? Well, one thing that I feel that was very important for me, and this is different, of course, based on where you live and we live rurally. So we're 20 minutes from our own school. I mean, I'm 20 minutes from Walmart, 20 minutes from the kids school, you know? So for me, I think what dictates, and I think it could differ if you're an introvert or an extrovert or all the different personality who knows but for me I feel very busy if there's a, if I'm never home so feeling like I'm never home or like I'm always in the car gives me this sense of busyness that I'm not and and, and it's a busyness I don't like so now this is a difference some moms are busy and they like it so that's if that's you that's okay something being home more might feel worse for you, you know, so, but for me, so I am just very strategic and selective about 
extracurriculars like we just got finished you know we choose them based on how much they're going to take over our life so right now is little league and none of our kids are doing because i'm like I, I, i'm not doing it i'm not i see you guys in the evenings and those entire evenings are not going to be spent me in the car <laughs> on my phone while you're uh, like no it's just we're not doing it so for me i think it's having making sure most evenings aside from whatever you know occasional things we're doing i, I don't overcommit us outside the home I got this book years ago. I always like to say, I bought this book, but I hadn't read it. But the title feels like it told me all I needed to know. But it was about not turning over our kids to just be raised by their peers. And it was like, you know, the epidemic of kids kind of not caring what their parents think is also follows the um, pattern of kids just always being with their peers from a much younger age as opposed to being at home. And so I know gathering together and being together is part of your mission. And so I think for me, making sure we're home a lot or that we're all doing something together that we chose to do uh, helps me not feel busy, I think. So I, as you're saying, I live 20 minutes from here and 20 minutes from there. That right there makes my body relax. Like, oh, you just can retreat and get away from all that crazy. So yeah, it makes a lot of sense that you say you got to figure out like what, in your environment is already set up to kind of help you with that. And Mm -hmm. if you can't move out to the rural areas, well, what could you do in another way to create those limits and boundaries around yourselves? Yeah. I mean, well, and I think also if you live in a neighborhood and say the, the sport or whatever they wanted to do was like five blocks down, it doesn't feel that big of a deal for them to go down there and do it and come back. So it, this is why in my book, I heavily focus on or on my website and my YouTube on, on you. Like you can't just, it's not copy and paste. Like you can't just copy and paste somebody else's boundaries, you know? And so, and I think even that's a good question. Like I know I see some moms like create that sense of oasis by the way they decorate it. Or you know what I mean? Like it being the colors that soothe them or having plants or having a room or, the, you know, like a little chair that's yours with like a soft blanket. I sometimes do that. I have like a really soft blanket. It's it's like pink. I mean, it's literally a child blanket. I know that it is. <laughs> my mom got it for me for like my birthday or something. But I'll just sit sometimes if I'm like, ha la 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 la, the kids, you know, I'll just go sit under the soft blanket. And then I think, oh, this feels good. Just because it's that sensory feeling, you know, so little things can help. But the biggest thing, honestly, is the biggest thing is realizing I don't like XYZ in my life. I don't like this. Because once you admit it, and you stop being in denial, and then you stop making yourself feel bad for it being true, you'll have lots of ideas. That's like the way to unlock lots of ideas. If you were like, I hate how busy my life is, or or, or I hate how boring our life, you know, it could be anything. I don't like this. The fact, And I'm not denying it anymore. And I'm not pretending. I don't. And if you sit with that for a little while, all the ideas will come up to, to help you uh, make solutions that will kind of fix it, so to speak. Okay. So I have a question for you, Rachel. You just said that um, one of the boundaries that you Mm -hmm. have placed in your home is the extracurriculars in the Mm -hmm. evening. You don't want to pile those on. So my question is, what if you, what if one of your children starts really developing a a passion for something, or you see this as a gifting in them Mm -hmm. and they really want to start doing this? Has that happened? I know your children are still young Mm -hmm. where they're not diving into that stuff, but how would you go about reassessing that or like feeding into 
what helps your child develop and kind of pushing your boundaries a little further back or yeah, back, I guess we should say, Mm -hmm. and, and giving into that, what would be your process for determining that for your family? And I mean, that's a great question. And so mine are still kind of young. And so the, the interest in the things they currently have are because they have opportunity to do them. You know, they haven't come up with something like that. I, we didn't introduce us say that, you know, it's like you take your kid to dance. Oh, they're good at dance because you took them. It wasn't like now you've got to find a dance place. You know, they're still young like that. And I think it, one reason when we did extracurriculars that didn't work is because we did put them all in it and they didn't all care. So I think this is part of where I would get it. It isn't that you say you just can't do that. Or sometimes you do say you can't do that. Or sometimes you say there must be a way we can figure out how you can do that without it controlling our whole lives. There, you know, maybe it's that maybe it's the carpool. Maybe you've got to find a friend whose parent can take you and you got to drum up 50 bucks a month to pay that mom in gas or whatever, you know, or maybe I can do it. Or maybe you ask your grandma, you know, there's a lots of different things. But I think if you if you don't put it on the kids and push them all in it, but you actually just respond to their own interests, I, I still think it will feel more purposeful, you know, because if you're just driving everybody everywhere and they ain't even good and they don't really like it and they get home, especially when they're young, my mom like crying at the back door, like they're so tired and they haven't done homework. And it's like, why are we doing this? Okay. But if you sense they love it, they're into it. And you see at home, they're carrying it on. This is the difference. Like if your kid has found something that they're passionate about, they'll carry it on at home if they can, you know? And so then there's more purpose to it and you can find different ways to do it. And so I wouldn't, I definitely wouldn't say, oh, my kids can't ever do anything. But as they get older with school, once school things happen after, and then you're still not going back and forth 15 times. Does that make sense? And so I think, and there's seasons, like it might be, I know some moms say, you can do this one time a year as opposed to doing it all year or, you know, so it definitely doesn't mean that we wouldn't, but I think there's a lot of room also for kids to now, especially with the internet, explore their interests or, and I, one thing that I do have tried to focus on with the kids is life sports. They call it, these are things that you can pick up and do forever. So like tennis, running, you know, whatever, archery is a random one, but like you can do this forever golf because you don't need, you don't need 18 people to show up at the same time for you to do it. You know what I mean? So those type of sports, like, of course they're fun, you know, but if I I think if I were going to put my kid in something without them caring, it would be something that I felt like they could do forever, you know, or that we could all go do together as a family. So I think we just have to know there's different seasons, there's different times that empower our kids to problem solve, to figure out how we can make it work without it taking over. Because, I mean, you know how it is. Like, I know my my cousin has like a, a shtick, uh, you know, a, a chip, because all they did for like five years was drive his sister around travel ball. And, and he's got a shtick about it because he's like, it it basically stole our life. And so, I mean, this is something to truthfully think about. Are we living vicariously through them because we get to see our friends? And maybe we are and that's okay and everybody's happy. It's only if you aren't happy and it's not working that it needs to be visited, I feel like. You just gave us so many good self-audit things to do, Mm. I think. Saying, is this bringing us joy? Is it making my child happy? Is it making our family happy? Uh, The other one was, let's figure out a way to do this without it controlling our whole life. There are definitely ways to do that. You can get your child in an activity that gives them a taste of it without going to the extreme and signing up for the highest level of it and all these things. Or you can 
hold back and then do a trial run and say, okay, we'll try it this year because this kind of lines up for our family now, mm-hmm. but know that this isn't going to be happening next year, probably yep. or whatever. Those oh, are- yeah. There's definitely ways. There's definitely ways to do it without it taking over your whole family. I feel like that's when life enters to busy into busyness and chaos is when it, it takes over and, and the mom, the parents can't cope. Because the issue is like, and I had to make this joke, but I'm like, you are literally responsible. I mean, sometimes in this parent where I feel like moms, we kind of forget we are actually ultimately responsible. It sounds crazy to say, because I know that we've swung like, you know, in generations past that parents are just so harsh and we've swung so drastically to the other side that moms forget they literally are the ones in charge and they're just not okay. I see this with sleep because I'm sleep certified. It's like the, the baby's not sleeping or like randomly can only sleep when they're over the shoulder leaned at a 45 degree angle and mom's like humming backstreet boys or, you know, like the baby won't, you know, like, but the mom won't, it's like, I can't change. I can't do anything different because it's cruel. It's like going to mess up my connection. And I'm always like, so right now when you're so strung out, you're like falling asleep at the wheel. You like, you know, literally some moms fall asleep driving, fall asleep walking down the stairs with their baby. And you're so miserable. You need drugs. And you're telling me that this is excellent connection. <laughs> no, you're not. Yeah. So like we've come so far the other way. We're not even making any sense, you know? And so I, I think there, it, it's like, you just always have to come in. Can I do this? It, Cause it's okay. And it's also okay. If you can't, sometimes the kids will be okay. Cause a lot not all, but a vast majority of the things that that randomly they pick up to do aren't really in the life skills arena and they're not things they're going to be doing forever anyway. So they certainly aren't things that should take over the family life forever, you know, like in, in too dramatic of a sense. Rachel, I want to know why you're so passionate about boundaries. I love it. I <laughs> love this. I just want to know what what makes you so passionate about it. I think it's just because I feel like it's a it's a silver bullet to contentment and peace. I think that's what I think that it is because it's like the one thing that if you get a hold of it, it fixes 50 things. So that to me, and I'm big about this, like, you know how there's certain like in psychology or I don't know, counseling where it's like, oh, you had this thought, replace it with this thought. But I like, won't even do that because I'm like, no, I've got to get all the way down to why I have that thought. And that's what I deal with. And now I don't have that thought. And then I don't got to do whack-a-mole. So to me, I feel like boundaries stop you from doing like life whack-a-mole. And and I feel like having them also makes you just more in a living, more in alignment with your values, with who you really are and like, you know, how God made you. And it just, I I think that's what it is, is I'm, I think it's my personality type too. I just go straight to the, but like, what's the real reason we're doing this? You know, like that's why sometimes when my kids do, I don't even feel like I have tons of rules with the kids when they're acting crazy or whatever. I'm like, just come over here. What the heck is going on? let's get down to the real, real issue here, like all the way down to the bottom. And then now we got something to work with. So that's what I think boundaries do. Again, the way I see them is not rules that you make for everybody. It's, it's the area inside yourself that when you're in it, you feel okay. That's what boundaries are. And when you go over them and outside of them, you feel bad. So this is why when I say, what are your boundaries? It's not what rules have you made for yourself or other people? It is what are the limits with it? So if you think about property, like your property, right? Whether or not there's a fence right around it, your property is just your property, okay? So it it is it is there whether you like it or not. You could go over and put a shed on your neighbor's lawn and then they can come make a big deal about it and you have to take it off because it's not your property. So it the lines are there whether there's a fence around them or not. That's how our boundaries are within us. Whether we know what they are or not, if they're crossed, like they're still crossed. So when you get down to what what is it like, Say sleep is an easy example. I talk about this in my book. Say you need eight hours of sleep. Okay. 
I need nine, which is crazy. And I have friends who need like five. But anyway, say you need seven. So you can you can decide you're only going to sleep five because you're going to stay up late and you're going to get up early. And you're, you know, you can just decide this. But if your body needs seven, like your body doesn't care what you've decided, you're going to be tired because the boundary is your body needs seven. So you might as well just get on board and sleep seven hours, you know, like because this can change, you know, during different times of our life when we're pregnant or whatever. But that's the example that I mean. It's what is really happening inside. And when you don't have it, you lose it. Not what you just decided to do. It's funny you immediately brought up the sleep question because when you were talking, I was thinking you said it's the silver bullet to contentment and peace. And if you stop that you're playing whack-a-mole with everything else because it's just this trigger for everything. And I immediately thought, okay, my sleep is definitely my biggest trigger. When I was having infants and toddlers, my, my sleep, I could, I could go off five hours of sleep. I really could. We can, we can. That's why we keep doing it because we don't die. (laughs) That's right. Yes. So I feel like, why can I not still do that? Well, I can't, I'm exhausted now. I have to go to bed and get I have to get between seven and eight hours of sleep. And I know that my magic number is eight, but I can't always do that because of the kids' school hours and whatever. My point was that I know that my lack of sleep is going to lead to me being able to have high energy when my kids are at school, but I hit a brick wall right around my kids get off the bus at two. Yeah. I the hit a brick wall. time for them to come home. Yes. Yeah. Right around like two 45, three o'clock. Yeah. And I don't drink, I'll, I'll drink coffee every once in a while, but I'm not a coffee drinker. So it's not like say, I can I'm go. I'm sorry to tell you, if you come off coffee, it'll help. But you're not even <laughs> off coffee. I, I will drink a cup of whatever. I drink yeah, mostly yeah, yeah. decaf, but I'll drink. Yeah. Anyway, I will then hit a brick wall. So then I might be like, Hey, I'm going to close my eyes for eight minutes, just eight minutes. And then, you know, I neglect my kid who wants to read to me for his homework. And then I, they're like, can we walk up to the park? And then waiting, then waiting 15 (laughs) minutes while your nap is not neglect. No, I know that's not, that's what we feel like. Yes. So I'm just saying it has this ripple effect on my emotions as the mom. And then I get to dinner time and I snap because I called them over to set the table and they weren't there within two minutes or whatever. And I can trace it all back to it's because you're tired and you're, yes. you're, you can't even function anymore. Nope. So I have to have really tried hard to set up the boundary around my sleep because it affects everything else. And I know that that is like the most important boundary for me. It might not be for any, someone else listening, but it's so good to do that quick in the moment when you snap at your kids, like, why did you do it? What, what is it? Are you stressed about something? Is it this? Can you, you know, take this away? Do you need to exercise more? Whatever it is. Did you not have your coffee? Yeah. Yeah, Uh, absolutely. This is a perfect example because it is one of the things that cascades a lot. And also if you don't sleep enough, it messes up your hormones, your stress hormones, your, I mean, it is one of the, it is a perfect example of things that everything goes awry. If it feels like you haven't had enough. And even that's a great question. And I would say when you're, if you snap and something, and then you think, what do I really, what do I need right now to be okay? And if you feel like I just need to take a little nap, then that helps you know, yep, you're tired. So not going into like an over self obsession, you know, but just, uh, am, am I, do I really hate this thing I'm doing every day? <laughs> Why am I still doing it? I don't have to. I'm the grown up. <laughs> I don't have to do this. <laughs> exactly. And you know, if I have those days like that, it's 
fine, but it's the habit, right? If it's exactly. continuing to be the habit. It's exactly, it's not the off, it's it's when the habit becomes the, or it's when the exception becomes the rule that then we're like, oh, you know, cause everybody has off days. There was this research, I need to find it, but it was talking about how one of the best things you can do for your kids is to apologize and to relationship repair. And I was like, well, that's good since we're all human and we all snap or yell or get annoyed or whatever it is. And kids understand this because they're like the kings of snapping and yelling and lashing out. You know, they, they get it. Like they totally get it. You know, they're like doing the same thing with their siblings. and other. So, but then coming back, I shouldn't have done that. This is what I was feeling. I really wish I would have handled it like this way. It goes, it goes so far with the kids, you know? So I think even when we mess up, there's, there's grace. Oh, absolutely. And that's really so easy to do. Our kids understand. You can be like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I snapped at you over setting the table or whatever. That was so dumb. I shouldn't have acted like that. And I did because I was really tired. And at the time they're like, it's okay, mom. I do it sometimes too. (laughs) Or I'm sorry. I did this to you this morning. I was tired also. Yeah. And I like to make jokes like I, I like to I feel like once boundaries helped me to get to a place that was so not frazzled that I don't take things as personally. Do you know what I mean? It's like I, I just am not, you know, and I even joke with my kids sometimes like I've like yelled the other day or, you know, like really got mad and yelled. And then afterwards, I was like, oh, this is how it goes. Like, please put your shoes on. Nothing. Please put your shoes on. Nothing. Please put your shoes on. Put your shoes on. And then they're like, mom is so mean. She yells. And I'm like, no. So then I'll like make a joke and then they all have to laugh because they know that it's true because they know I said it three times and they didn't do it and I lost it. So I'm like, again, I'm not saying I should yell, but am I saying you should have put your shoes on? That's what I'm saying. And then we can all laugh and like, so I think sometimes like being able to be not take ourselves so serious and think everything we're doing is like, I know it is true and it is good when we can look back at patterns. I know the big trend in counseling, you know, we're looking back and we're all seeing all the ways that everybody failed us. And now we're trying, it's like this can- this can really go so far that now moms are just like, everything I do is determines if my child's going to be okay or not. Do you know what I mean? If I lose it once, they're going to end up in, in a gang or, I mean, like it's really heavy, heavy pressure. So I think that it, the boundaries of the silver bullet, I feel like that help you relax a little. And then it also, when you give yourself grace, you'll learn to give the kids some grace. And that doesn't mean that they don't end up doing what they need to do. It just means you don't add that heavy layer of stress of ickiness over it because you know you know what I'm saying by ickiness, it's like that heavy layer of like oh over all the interactions yeah and I think as you're talking I'm thinking like it also helps to draw you back for those times that you mess up because if you know what your boundary is then you can easily point out oh kind of messed up in that area again I better get back to it yeah it's it, that's exactly right parenting is always like a give and take go and and correct and keep going you know Rachel, I want you to speak to the mom listening who is feeling guilty about not being strict enough in her boundaries, whatever, you know, strict would be for her. Give her three steps she can take right now to feel like she can make some noticeable changes in that area and feel more confident about sticking to it. So I would say the first thing I would do would be to get out your journal or a piece of paper or whatever, and just maybe write down the things in, in your day or in your days, you know, your family life that are, are just not working. And then I would write, go one step further. Why aren't they working? Why is this like, is it making you feel bad? Like, why, why is it not working? What is the result? <clears throat> 
it might be that it's not working because it's affecting the kids badly or it's affecting you badly or everybody or whatever. Like, why does this bother me? So what is happening? I don't like, why does this bother me? And why haven't I done something about it? Because there is no like, it's most of the time when parents come and they're like, my kid's doing this and I don't want them to do it. They know what they need to do, but there's an object. They object to what they need to do somehow, you know, in their mind, it's like, I feel like I should do this, but I don't want to because of, and that is the bullet. Okay. What is it's happening? I don't like, why don't I like it? What does this make me feel like? Why haven't I done anything about it? This is the key because once you can blow that up, you'll just do it. It doesn't take effort to do it. If the answer why I haven't is, I really think it, it, it like say you have a child who's playing just an example that my former nanny um who left us to go have her own babies but anyway years ago but her somebody in her family was it was a teenager always on the video games always 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 and the mom didn't have any boundaries on the video games she would be like get off he wouldn't it was just he was obsessed with him right why is this not working for me i feel like he shouldn't be on them this much it's not good for him why does this bother me because i'm like because i'm his mom and i'm letting him but, and I know that if he leaves and I'll let him do this, like, it's going to, you know what I mean? It's going to be bad for him. And like, why haven't I done something about it? Because I'm scared he's going to get mad. You know what you need to do. You, I mean, there's a lot of things you can do. And the one thing that you can do is just literally get rid of them, get rid of it. It's your house. You know what I mean? Why haven't you done that? Because he's going to be mad at me. Okay. He's going to be mad at you. Now, if he's mad at you, like, Think about that. Like, so now once you can sit with that, what happens if he's mad at me? He's just mad. Okay. Well, what is he going to do if he's mad? Or or like, what is it worth him being mad? Like, why can't he be mad? Is he not human? Like, why can't he just, like, do you see what I'm saying? Once you can, then you dig around in that and you're like, okay, he would be mad, but is it actually better for him to be mad than him to be on video games for 12 hours a day? Ah, okay. Yeah, forget. You know, you see what I mean? So it's not like you even need, you don't need to be more disciplined necessarily you need to get down to what it is that's stopping you and once you get there you'll just do it once you can get to your purpose and your real reason you just will do it not all the time and not perfectly but I think you get what I mean what we often do is ignore all of that and try to make up some rule for ourselves and then we're like I'm not very disciplined no you just didn't get down to the bottom of what was actually stopping you because it it the it barriers and obstacles have a way of disappearing when we realize why they're there and then now they're just not there anymore. And then we just get on with it. Oh, this is so good. <laughs> yes. I mean, this is like, I, I feel like, um, I keep saying, I feel like, cause when you're sitting here, we're, talking, in our feelings. <laughs> <laughs> we're into our feelings, we are, but you know, when you're so much of going through motherhood, we can make ourselves feel like we're just playing catch up. Like, mm -hmm. you know, I'm, I'm just going to be reactive to what's in front of me instead of playing offense, you're playing defense. Yep. And so you never do get down to what the barriers are. Cause you just mm -hmm. keep going and going yep. and, and you don't, stop and assess and think, okay, hold on. Why is this not working? There is something here stopping me. Yeah. Let's go to it. And for me, a lot of things in my season of life can go back to sleep. Why is the house a disaster? Why am I not cleaning the floors when I should? Why? Yes, it's the energy, but someone else's might be something else. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And I have a friend I've been talking to recently, just I'll say quickly that she grew up with quite harsh parenting. And so she has, 
people pleasing is one of her issues. This is a hard, hard truth, Rachel. You can't be a people pleaser as an adult and not be people pleasing your kids. You're going to be. So if you're a people pleaser, it's going to transfer over into your parenting and you're not going to want to do anything that you feel like doesn't please the kids. And so anytime she would have to do something like reasonable things, I'm not talking about super crazy stuff, you know, like don't don't put flour all over the kitchen floor. You know what I mean? Like just reasonable things. The resistance that would rise up in her kids, it would feel like so strong. She just felt helpless to do anything because it felt like anything I do is going to displease them all. It was like this heavy cloud or it was a people pleasing cloud basically. And then once you realize that and you're like, oh, I'm just trying to make them happy, but actually they're doing something destructive and I need to stop them and I'm going to do whatever it takes to stop. I'm actually responsible for this. They are my responsibility and what's happening is what I'm letting happen. Then it's like, it breaks all these obstacles and you're like, oh, they don't have to like it. It's okay if they don't. Yeah, it's okay. Like, or they don't, it's okay if they're mad at me. I'm stronger than that. Like, that's like how they say, you can be mad at God. What is it going to, he's God. What does he care? You know, I mean, not, not what does he care, but like, he's going to be there fine. Same thing. Like, of course they can be mad at me. Is this going to crumble my whole world when my like six-year-old is mad at me? No, <laughs> you know, I'm a grown woman. Like I'm going to be there and support them and we're going to talk it through and I'm there even if they're mad. So it's like, that caused lots of problems. Her people, she got all the way down to it. I don't want them to be mad at me. Well, if this is can, if this exists, if you have this filter, you're always going to be playing whack-a-mole because now anything could make them mad. You see what I'm getting at here. So it'll be different for everybody. But, and we all have them. We all have them. Like, we just all do. This is why I wanted you on my show. And <laughs> people are going to love reading your book and following you and watching your Instagram stories and reels is I love that you just tell it like it is. You're just a friend who is compassionate, but also is like, this is the way it is. We are going to, to nip this in the bud right now. And you don't need to settle for this. I love that about you, Rachel. Tell me real quick, what is another piece of advice that you love to give new mothers or moms still just currently on their motherhood journey that would save her some unnecessary struggles? Oh, that's a good question. So something that would save unnecessary struggles. I guess that I would just encourage moms um, to always come back to, or kind of coming off the, what you just said is to really get down to some purpose in your motherhood in the sense that it, you are proactive. So I think being like, what I, what do I want for my kids and what do I not want for them? And when you're really, and I don't mean making up random things, like I'm sure you could find some prompts online that would help you with this, but I'm not talking about copy and paste in somebody else's vow. I mean, really, what what is it? Spend some time on this, some real time, because when you have those in place, lots of decisions will make themselves. Lots of decisions will make themselves. And it it's like one of those things that if you do, it automatically fixes a lot of things. So um, I, I would encourage that. Or, <clears throat> I mean, and there's a lot of examples of this, but this is the reason some people homeschool, for example, you know, and it'll be different for everybody. We don't homeschool. My kids go to school. We did for a bit. But what is the real purpose that you feel like is in your heart for your family? And once you really know what that is, it's much easier to make decisions, even with resistance, even with pressure, even feeling like other people don't do it, but you don't do it because it's, 
if you feel very strongly about what you believe, you're much more easily able to be like, oh, nobody does this in town but us. But, you know, that's just what we do, whatever. And you don't care. Like other people's criticism does not wound you when you really know why you believe what you believe. And you, it, 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 um, not that we're all going around being criticized, but I just, I'm just, you know, giving, you know, to say you decide we're going to go on an RV for a year. I want my kids to experience adventure, say that something, you know, and then people be like, that's so whatever. But you don't care because you're, you're in touch with your true beliefs. So getting, and if you don't, if you feel like you don't really know what they are, spend some time on that. What do I really want for my kids? What do I want them to know or be able to do when they leave? And then when you really get clear on that, it, it just, you'll just act that way. That's just what I think, because um, I was, I was re- I'm listening to this book, which is an interesting book. It's called The Naked Mind. I don't, I don't even, I barely drink, and I'm certainly not an alcoholic, but somebody said it was very good. It was a book you could listen to, and by the end of it, you wouldn't want to drink anymore. So I like this like life learning, how our minds work. So I was like, I'm going to listen to this. My father was an alcoholic. I thought I might get. So one of the very interesting points that she mentions is that there's our conscious and our subconscious. Subconscious always wins. So if we consciously think I got to stop drinking or I got to stop people pleasing or I got to stop letting the kids do so much screen time or I've got to stop running around crazy or I've got to stop overspending. But subconsciously, we're like, I've got to be okay. I've got we're going to end up doing what our subconscious thinks. So that's why I say you got to keep getting down, 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 because once you get down to what you're subconsciously thinking, oh, and then you change that, it changes all the rest, you know, so. Getting down to the deep part of you means that you don't kind of sabotage yourself by feeling like you should do this and then do in the opposite. I think we unintentionally a lot of times to get placed in these moments that set us up for realizing our purpose in motherhood. Mm, Oh, yes. Because we said yes to the Bible study or we said yes to reading a certain book or listening to someone's podcast and 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 we start getting these good people and wisdom planted in our hearts and we start thinking yes that's what I know that's what I want my family that's how I want to build my family those are the virtues I want exhibited and then and, and to grow and now today I've got to plant those seeds. So what are we going to do? And it's the subconscious that makes mm-hmm. you always strive for that, whether you know it or not. I, yes. I have, um, I've said this on this podcast several times, but Matt came home. I, I remember my first two or 18 months apart to the date and I was loving motherhood with them little, but a lot of it was just survival because mm-hmm. you know how it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was enjoying it very much, but he came home one day and he said, someone at work had told him uh, there was a whole backstory to it, but basically you get 12 summers with your children. And I said, no, you don't, you get 18. And he said, no, you actually get 12 because the first couple you're just helping them survive. And then by the time they hit high school and can drive and their friends can drive, they're off with them. So you really only get 12 summers with them. And I remember it just like, it was like a gut punch. Mm -hmm. And I thought right then. I've heard that recently, actually. I've heard that exact thing recently. Oh, wow. And I thought, okay, this is, that changed my every little intention. Do I think about that consciously all day long? No, but it, it really definitely set up a whole lot of my mindset and, and look, 
you're literally helping moms make the most of the time they have with their kids. Like that's exact. like it, it was like the path that you were going to go on. It is crazy. I know. I, I feel like God set out these little breadcrumbs and mm-hmm. I just, yes, I cannot shake that. And is every day perfect? Absolutely not. Are there some regrets? Yes, but not but not no. Really. This, no. Is, this is so key. Oh, I'm yes. so glad you said this. I, I was telling my husband this just the other day because I often hear people be like, do you have a regret? And I can honestly say I really do not have regrets because even when I mess up and I can say, because if you truly make decisions based on what you feel is the right and good thing to do, if you really know what it, you, you don't really regret it. Like sometimes you mess up, but you think, what else was I going to do? Right. When you live out of your true values, you don't like you might make a mistake, but it's it's just it is different. You just don't have these intense regrets. It's just very true. It's when we live on the surface and we do what other people say and we're just wasting all of our life on social media and ignoring our kids. And then we look back and then we think, oh, I feel a bit of regret, but it's so heavy. I can't feel it. I'll escape again. Whereas when you can just get down to what is what am I feeling as my purpose as a mom? Like I'm a mom now. It's it's not like it's this. it is now already. So what what is it? And then you really or even subconsciously, I think you probably make choices when a choice comes that will steal some of that togetherness with your kids. It's like you're probably mostly driven to make the choice that doesn't because you know that's what you value. That's that's the same for myself. That's why I don't overcommit us in any capacity because I'm like, no, we're going to we're going to bond children. We're bonding. OK, <laughs> all of us together and you're going to like it. <laughs> You said that so well. I do. Um, I, I don't sit here and say I, I don't regret things for, oh, I did everything perfectly or anything no. like that. But yeah, it's that the the um, the mission has always been the same. And and when we mess up, we the mission drives us back to where we need to be. And so, yeah, if we are overcommitted in one area, well, you know, that's why our kids know they support each other. So on Saturday mornings, my kids don't sleep in if just for fun, they get up and go to their siblings activity. We go as a family, we travel as a unit, unless someone has a good reason not to. And things like that. So yeah. yeah, we do the same. Yeah. We had Saturday morning basketball, for example. We all go together. Yeah. Why not? Right. Mm-hmm. And uh yeah, it's just a way of life. So yeah, get to that purpose and that mission will drive you. It it really will. You said also be proactive on what you really want. Fight for that for your family. Don't yes settle because the person next door is doing it or they do it on social media or your mom thinks it's weird. You do it that way. Don't settle for what you really want for your family. That is when you feel regret. You're, you feel regret when you think you should have done something and you didn't do it. That's when you feel, or you think you should not have done something and you did it. That's the only time you feel regret. If you do what you think you should do, even if it doesn't turn out perfect, you think I did the best I could. And then you don't live with that sense of gnawing regret. You just, Ultimately, when it comes down to it, once you get down to the deep part of your mission, you will nine times out of 10, do what you believe is right. Mm. If you're not, there's some other layer you've got going on. You got to keep digging through. 
Yes, yes, yes. We are ending right there. That's so good, Rachel. I'm so glad you came today. I, I want to end this with the question I ask every guest, what is helping your family stick together right now? So we've started doing this thing recently. We did it when they were little, but I came back to it. We were at this bookstore in Boston, my husband and I, and in the classic kids section. And I got this, I bought um, a bunch of books and we've instituted again, reading together before bed, like all of us together. Cause you know, we would kind of read to each kid when they were little. And so after dinner, it's like everybody's teeth are brushed so that I know that, cause you know, after this time right before bed can be crazy with five little ones, they're all running around and then they're playing and everything's funny and you know, whatever. And then we're like, God, so um, we get everybody's ready for bed. They're in the jammies, their teeth are brushed. And then we like lay in the living room and read together. And it has just been so, I, I don't know. It is, it has felt very special. Like it has felt more significant than it should be. If that makes sense. Like it shouldn't be that significant, but it has felt more significant than it seems like it should. So I hope we keep continuing this on, but that is something that's easy and inexpensive and just really meaningful that we're doing. Mm, that's so sweet. What book are you reading right now? The Phantom Toll Booth. Oh, I think yeah, it's so funny. And my husband and I like he will. I'll I'll read it. And he's did like, did we read that as read kids? It. Yeah, it's like from the 1960s, I think. Yeah, yes. it, it's okay. so good. It's like I mean, you and I are not from the 1960s, no, no, no. but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's a classic. It's been a classic since for years and years. Yeah, it's so funny. Like we all laugh and giggle together, you know. So, and I think that there's a lot of you know, I guess. There's a lot of websites. Read Aloud Revival, I know, has a lot, obviously, about books reading out together. But there is something special about that. Uh, I agree. One series that we read to the kids when they were little as well was um, Beverly Cleary, Mouse oh, and yes. Motorcycle. I love her books. They're so funny. And all the Ramona and all, like, they're just yes. so funny. They're so sweet. The, um yeah. I like Ralph and motor- the Motorcycle series personally, yes. but I do like Ramona too. All right, Rachel, tell us where our listeners can connect with you, learn from you, buy your amazing book and follow you. Yes. So my website or my or my business name is A Mother Far From Home. So if you go to A Mother Far From Home on my website, I have lots of different routines and articles that are super practical and I have YouTube. So YouTube, A Mother Far From Home, where I talk a lot about this same time, um, same type of stuff. And my book, If Mama Ain't Happy, which is on a lot of what we just talked about today is, you know, anywhere you buy books on Amazon. Rachel, congratulations on the release of your book. It's still pretty new. And you also have a podcast. You didn't share that. Yep. You can find the podcast. It's by the same name, A Mother Far From Home. Rachel, I have enjoyed this interview so much. You were such a delight to sit with. I feel like you and I could sit and take a walk together and just talk for three hours. It's been amazing. Thanks for (laughs) sharing all your wisdom. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. For more stickers like the one you heard in this episode, visit togethermoments.com, shop all our products, sign up for our newsletter to receive all kinds of good information to help keep your family growing strong and follow us at To Gather Moments. You can also find this sticker prompt written out in the show notes wherever you listen to this podcast and on our website at togethermoments.com slash podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode and it does help you to gather moments and build your family stronger, please recommend it to a friend, leave a review, or simply tag us and let us know that you're listening. Thank you for making this ministry matter by being a family that sticks together.